Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my guys, Josh and Caleb. Today, we're going to cover a recap of Week 7. We're going to jump right into Week 8. Guys, what another exciting week of NFL action that we had as you look across the slate of games that we just went through. Uh, give me some of your highlights and lowlights from action in Week 7. Well, there's probably six or seven blowouts in this week, yeah. which is pretty exciting, I guess. Yeah. Pretty boring to watch the games, though, especially the Patriots-Jets. We saw 54-13. to 13. It was a slaughter fest. It was well, you, pretty miserable. <laughs> you, one of you guys called it. The, the old ball coach likes to put it on rookie quarterbacks, and uh, he certainly kept his foot on the gas. Yeah, I think the only one. touchdown – oh, there's two touchdowns from the Jets, but one was thrown by Mike White, his first throw in the NFL as Zach, a starter. Zach Wilson pick alert. How many did he throw? Zero. Did he get hurt before he got yeah, a chance? He, he got, got hurt early. early. Hurt early. But uh, mm-hmm. Mike White is better than Zach Wilson already. It's crazy. Huh. And then they got Joe Flacco. News came that he he's going to be going back to the Jets to play. That's my hot take. Yeah, we'll so wait around yeah. for that one. <laughs> All jokes aside, <laughs> Zach Wilson's going to miss more than likely two to four weeks, as they're saying, with PCL sprain, Oof. which means Mike White maybe this week or and or Joe Flacco will be the starter for the next few weeks. So not great news for the team, but the team has not been playing well already. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of great news Another for this team. Another unfortunate injury for the team that's very injured. Yeah. Uh, talking about blowouts, although – I don't think anyone saw it coming, really. Uh, 41-17, Bengals over the Ravens. Ravens get blown out at home. Yeah, it was it was pretty close towards the end of the fourth quarter, but all I know is at the end of the fourth quarter, they had three giant touchdowns basically to seal it, which it was Samaje Piran, 50-yard touchdown, and Joe Mixon. I think those are two of the largest runs they've had, the uh-huh. Bengals, in over the last three years. Mm-hmm. So they, they were very good at the end of the game, but it was closer for most of the game. The so, Bengals are the most unsustainable offense I've ever seen in my life. Jamar Chase will have a breakout 80-yard touchdown, and then the next drive, C.J. Uzama, who had three catches this game, three targets, had two touchdowns over 50 yards each. It doesn't make sense as sustainability. I think it was just a really bad game for the Ravens. So I wouldn't get too hype on Bengals right now, maybe Jamar Chase, because he does get force-fed on deep throws. But I wouldn't get too high on Mixon and Uzama, of all people. Yeah, and it's crazy. I haven't seen a quarterback attempt so many deep shots to one player. Yeah in the league in quite a while. I'm, I think Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, that was really exciting watching those two when T.Y. Hilton led the league in receiving yards. But mm-hmm. other than that, I haven't seen people pass the ball deep down the field like that so much. So listening to Rich Eisen today, Daniel Jeremiah was talking about how apparently he had an assistant, a ghost picker, he called him. I thought this was fascinating. And he said, that uh, he said, hey, I want this pick, put it in. I don't care about the rest. So his ghost picker picked the games. And the two that stood out was his ghost picker picked the Bengals. And his ghost picker um, picked the Chiefs to lose. So he wouldn't have picked those, but he said, I got to I gotta be honest, I didn't pick these picks. And now people like the Bengals gave him a shout out on Twitter, like, thanks for backing us or whatever. And he's thinking, I got to come clean. I didn't even make these picks. Yeah. So there was definitely some surprises. Um, we talked about the Chiefs last week, but we've, we've talked a lot about Tennessee uh, and we've talked about KC. 27-3 is not the outcome that I thought this game would be. <laughs> I mean... I don't think anyone really expected that. We were watching the pregame where everyone basically picked the Chiefs, and there's one of the ladies that wanted to pick the Titans. So she's like, Cynthia Freeland, her analytics said Titans would win, but she picked the Chiefs. So. Yeah. yeah, she did not want to pick them, but as we saw, the Titans were not playing around, and the Chiefs just have not looked good. I don't know if it's the pressure that Patrick Mahomes hasn't had to deal with the first couple of years. Right now, he's getting pressured very often and very early, and it's, it's kind of looking like a different offense because of that, obviously, with three points scored. And the, I think another thing is Sammy Watkins being gone. They don't have another reliable target mm-hmm. close to Patrick Mahomes. 
I know he's usually been injured, but he, they're missing him this year, obviously. <laughs> Miko Harmon is just not the same guy as Sammy Watkins. So I think the games that are no surprise is Tampa Bay takes care of Chicago 38-3. Of course, Arizona handles Houston 31-5, and the Rams uh, took care of the Lions 28-19. Let's talk about Raiders and Eagles. That game was close at times, didn't seem as close at times. Uh, talk, let's talk about that game a little bit. Yeah, I think the Eagles should play every game like they're down 30 because <laughs> when they are down 30 or down a big amount in the fourth quarter, Jalen Hurts puts the cape on and almost wins it every week. Mm. Not good enough, but I think that they need to deal with that offensive problem they only score in the second half they don't really score they don't do anything in the first half normally they scored the first drive of this game but they didn't put up any points until the fourth quarter yeah there's much superior coaching going on for the Raiders right now mm-hmm. their best players are getting the ball in their hands Brian Edwards getting the ball a lot more we saw him score this week we also saw Kenyon Drake who was for some reason the number three back on the team all of a sudden probably stepping into the starting role because <laughs> of Josh Jacobs chest injury for, for at least the next week right after the bye week potentially and uh, the offense just looked much better with those guys playing, and I like what Pasasha's doing now. I did not think that the Browns and Denver was going to be able to pick them. It was super close. I realize there's some injuries, uh, but the Browns pulled out Case Keenum got his victory waffles this week, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we have to explain that one? Please do. Okay. Well, there was a hard knock season when he was on the Rams, and he was the backup. And it was the preseason, and then every time that he – wins a game his wife makes waffles which i think is terribly sweet of her to make him waffles victory waffles well she only does it like three times a year well maybe. and he doesn't really start so <laughs> here's my question not that case Keenum's listening to our lowly podcast but i'm curious the answer to this we have to figure it out does she cook him make him victory waffles when the team wins if he's not a starter or only when he starts i don't know the answer to that i don't really care yeah. um <laughs> i don't either just good yeah, another game that was kind of upsetting was the falcons and dolphins upsetting how uh, we, we're hearing the Tua needs to be traded or cut or replaced chance more than ever now. And their actual chance, Josh, they're not just hearsay or some guy from Miami speculating or wishing that this could be probable? Or uh, There's more There's more talk now than ever. Um, I forgot what his name is. John McClain for mm-hmm. the Texans. Been with the Texans for quite some time. Pretty credible. Yeah, he's he's he finally reported it last week, and uh, before then it was more or less noise, but there is more potential than ever right now that he'll be moved, I can't say for certain. Okay, well, we're going to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson later in the show, Caleb. Do you have something to add to that? Or Yeah, I have a little rant about Tua. Let's do quick. it. It's yeah. going to take a few minutes, but hear Come me on. out. I got you. So Tua's played three games this year. He's had 835 yards and five touchdowns. He has had a few picks, I think the same amount of his touchdowns. He has thrown 70% completion percentage. That's accurate. How many people in the league are doing that? That's accurate. Yeah. He has seven, 278 yards a game, and he's played 10 games as a starter, only 10. Baker Mayfield, in his second year, which is his best statistically, mm-hmm. threw for 239 yards a game, which is 40 a game less than Tua right now. He played, He's had 52 games in his career so far, mm-hmm. not a complaint. Daniel Jones, last year he threw 232 yards a game, and five... Excuse me, this year he has five touchdowns in seven games. Mm-hmm. He's played 34 games, has not progressed. Not a peep. Mm-hmm. This year, Zach Wilson's played six games, four touchdowns, nine picks. He throws under 200 yards a game at 195. Not a peep yet. He gets his pass because he's a rookie, but he's drafted higher than Tua was last year. Sam Darnold, you know, in the Lonely Jets? Lowly Jets, not Lonely Jets. They could be lonely, too. 2020, he threw 232, same exact numbers as daniel jones 19 touchdowns in 13 games he's played 45 games as a starter not a peep until adam gives was fired and he got moved to the right. panthers now mm-hmm. now his peeps now because he's being exposed a little bit sure. big ben last year 254 yards a game he's still starting 
Tua is outperforming all these guys and only 10 games, and people wanted to replace him. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. He's not bad. He's one of the, the I believe there's only five people throwing 70% completion right now, and that's Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, those guys, all Aaron Rodgers. Guys, yeah. yeah. He's throwing up elite numbers, and he's making a mistake a game that costs him, unfortunately, the game, which he has no receivers starting for him. He's also putting him in position to be in games. They are. They you were saw, We saw what he the team was without him, Yeah, and mm-hmm. they couldn't even score a touchdown. Right, but yet they're trying to potentially trade for Watson. It doesn't make sense to me. Whoever yeah. ends up having Tua for his career is going to get a, a, a gym because they drafted him knowing his hip injury was season mm-hmm. career ending, maybe. Right. And he's been phenomenal at 70, 70% completion at almost 300 yards a game. Okay. Good point. I just don't understand the hate. I don't understand why people are giving up on him. I don't know why Alabama fans have turned on him. I don't understand it. I think we should be more patient. Brian Flores keeps saying he's the quarterback. I don't know where all the news is coming from. It's all smoke, he says. He's the quarterback. He's a star. He doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. I just don't understand the hate, and I think people should pump the brakes a little bit before they want to kick out a 70% completion quarterback. I hear you. Yeah, I totally agree. He was obviously drafted pick five. The slogan was tanking for Tua prior to his hip injury, and that probably would have gone that way. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what Joe Burrow did, it was, or did, it was uh, kind of up in the air at that point if he was not injured. But I think it's it's important to notice what Caleb said, that he had the hip injury. It was considered a Bo Jackson-type injury, but without the nerve without the nerve problem. So he could have came back, but he probably wouldn't have been the same guy. And I think it's it's kind of crazy to think that he would be the same guy immediately, getting thrown into the fire midseason, also while Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well. And I think he, he struggled early because he didn't pass the ball as much as people were expecting. They were expecting the big numbers, but he also wasn't passing the ball 30 times a game. He was very meticulous, and he was dumping off the ball, and they were running a lot with Miles Gaskin. That's why I saw Miles Gaskin's production and Salvin Ahmed's production last year. I think that's changed this year when you see him passing the ball. Finally, he is throwing for over 300 yards. He's being very productive. All the things that Caleb said, he's very good so far this year in the two games that he's played, aside from the one that he got hurt in. And I, I think it's too early to say it. And I think, unfortunately, if they move him, it's better for him because they have a split offensive coordinator position here. Mm-hmm. And Brian Flores is obviously a defensive coach. And what they've done with the picks is not very good. And I think if they do all that draft, if they trade all the draft capital to get Deshaun Watson, They'll basically have no picks mm-hmm. for the future, just like the Rams have. And, and then Watson it, will essentially be on the same team he was at. Th- that's in Texas. what I was going to say. Yeah, because I mean, the whole reason he wants out is because they've made some sketchy moves, trading the best receiver maybe on the planet for a, and a Hall a of busted, Fame pass rusher. Yeah, who's a, old, but yeah, still. No, I hear you, and I, you know, I've been critical of Tua in that I, I just watching him, I don't see the boom factor. But hearing your statistics, I agree. Doesn't sound like on paper a person that you're going to want to get rid of if he's being that productive. And also, you can't. You, most people. I know people that follow football heavily can, but most mm-hmm. people can't name a receiver outside Devontae Parker on their roster. Mm-hmm. Xavier Howard's not averaging half a turnover like he's been averaging sure. the past five years. Yep. This, the team is not as good as it was years past, mm-hmm. and we expect hit a guy that's played less than a season in a year and a half to carry the load, and he's doing his best, and I don't, I don't think he's doing a poor job. Yeah, and he also brings things that a lot of quarterbacks can't bring. He's he's very accurate. He throws the ball in very tight windows. He's very good with his ball placement. He knows exactly where he's going to put it and how to put it there. And he's also extremely athletic, which we see a lot of people talking about now. A lot of head coaches want. Even Mike Tomlin today talked about it, how he wants mobility at the quarterback position. Obviously not going to get that with Big Ben, as he's going to be the starter for the rest of the year. But teams do want mobility, and that's exactly what Tua brings, regardless of his hip injury. And he just brings things that normal quarterbacks can't bring, and he needs to be and they need the team needs to pour into him because he needs confidence and he needs to be poured into to be the starter. I mean, you can't go into every week 
with their news and rumors being about how you're going to get a different quarterback. And he's still producing regardless of that. Yeah. Last point about Tua for me, but he's on pace to have three times the amount of passing touchdowns that Daniel Jones had last year. And there's not a peep in New York about Daniel Jones being fired. They're like third-year leap. Next year will be the fourth-year leap. (laughs) They're going to play his whole rookie contract without progressing. Next week, can you tell me why Jones should be fired in your rant? I I will tell you why. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, you were talking about receiving weapons. People... You obviously know Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, but Devontae Parker has not been playing anyways. So they've been stuck with Preston Williams on his first game back, who was not good coming off of injury, as well as Matt Collins, who was a cut receiver that turned into a tight end and is now the number one receiver for the Dolphins, aside from Mike Gusecki. And now they have Jalen Waddle, who's also a rookie. So there's still obviously not a lot of weapons there, and that's why Mike Gusecki, he's basically playing as the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I know he's yeah. ginormous and he's a great athlete, but he is playing in the <laughs> yeah. slot. He's getting two-thirds of the slot routes for the Dolphins, and he's basically a receiver because they don't have receivers. Let me change the pace to another game because we got some more games to talk about here. <laughs> Just a few. Yeah, getting in, ready to wrap Indianapolis up. and the 49ers. It was a very fun game to watch as far as for fantasy. Chris, Chris Collinsworth said it was very wet. That's Th- fine. Thank you, Chris Collinsworth. And we saw a lot of running back play that game. <laughs> we Jonathan did. Taylor going crazy. Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers getting a long yeah. 56-yard touchdown in the first drive. Fantasy owner's mad because the wrong guy's playing in San Fran. Oh, no. Elijah Mitchell's the guy. Now, but people that went the other way. You go back. Josh said. Josh did, but there's did. a lot of owners that didn't take people that hot take. People said because Trey Sermon was uh, two rounds over Elijah Mitchell that he'd be the starter. But And people jumped at him, and now they're Draft mad. capital doesn't matter when talent's. Amen. Yep. Good, good yeah, especially pick. for what we've seen with Kyle Shanahan as he drafted, I believe, Dante Pettis in the second round, and he was off the team the next <laughs> year, not even playing. He's starting for the Giants right now. And we're looking at the running back position. It, it's pretty evident that he wanted Elijah Mitchell, and Trey Sermon was kind of... Maybe Lynch's guy. We don't really know, but mm-hmm. Trey Sermon didn't even touch the football on Sunday. Well, Jamichael Hasty, who was also drafted in the late rounds, was playing over Trey yeah, Sermon. You got to remember too that Sermon got replaced in college and he had to transfer to Ohio State, mm-hmm. where he was in a committee. So he's Very never true. really been the guy outside of maybe half a year. So I don't know why everyone's so high on Trey Sermon, especially with Shanahan historically and always running a committee, oh, other yeah. than the past three games that Mitchell has started. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, there's a lot of talk about how Kyle Shanahan is overrated, and I think that's that's probably going to get to him. I think that his when the team is in order, when the team's healthy completely, and he has the guys that he has in place and they're playing well, the team is near unstoppable, and that's what we saw in the Super Bowl year. Yeah, the problem is that football is never going to happen. No. No, but we also need to see more out of the passing game because no, no George Kittle, they're basically not even giving those the, the stats that George Kittle has to anyone else. It's basically just Debo Samuel... And that's it. There's nothing else. Or no happening. productivity. I don't understand what's happening with Brandon Ayuk. I mean, I think there's a lot of hype around him. I'm very much excited to see what he could do. Obviously, with his historic type of season last year as a rookie, but he's basically not getting the ball. And I don't think that's a problem because on even on that Debo Samuel touchdown, mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk was wide open in the end zone, and it looks like Jimmy G doesn't even look his way. So I think that's a big problem for the passing game. I don't know what's going on because it's basically just Debo Samuel and if you have Debo Samuel in fantasy you're obviously very happy because he's one of the top receivers so this year. You're saying Shanahan's a great Madden player. <laughs> I don't know what his time. teams have always been hurt. And I don't want to rant about Shanahan. I've always said yeah. that, that he's a, a subpar coach who's a little overhyped. Uh, I'll rant about that another day. Let's talk about the last game on the schedule. Last night, I'm curious. Actually, we're going to do this on our Instagram. I'm curious what you guys have to say. For the first time, here's my little my little confession. Uh, we did not listen to ESPN's commentators talk about the game. We went with the with uh, Peyton and Eli for the first time. Um, I I grew up in an era where we had Howard Cosell, 
and Dandy Don. And we had Monday Night Football was an event. You know, as a kid, my parents would let me literally sit in the floor, stay up as long as I could. I'd pass out. You know, I was a kid. Uh, and even as a young man, we had quality broadcasting. And I have nothing against these guys. They're 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 nice people. I just they they lose me. And some of the things they say, Booger McFarland was a mistake too. <laughs> uh, but they, I think they. Listen, I'm just bored to death, and Steve Levy's just, he's got the same tone for everything. He never stops talking about the same thing, and it's just like, Steve, stop, please. So we went over to the Manning Brothers, and I got to say, and Instagram, I'm curious. We're going to do a poll. I'd be curious to see if you watch the ESPN 1 or if you watch ESPN 2, the Mannings, essentially. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I think watching the Manning Brothers talk to Sue Bird, talk about the WNBA is way more interesting <laughs> than Steve Levy and the two other guys. <laughs> yeah, and I think listening to over uh, t- way more experience in the NFL from four of the best quarterbacks of all time, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, I'd rather listen to that than no offense to the three guys on ESPN1. That's just way more to learn, way more to experience, and there's there's much more happening when they actually talk on ESPN2, but in ESPN1, they're basically there's moments of just non nothing happening. Dead silence. Yeah. They're not commentating anything. Yeah, it's sad that the best commentator in my lifetime that I could remember for ESPN was a contracted Mike Tarico from NBC. <laughs> and he John Gruden, ESPN. who's obviously not doing that anymore, but they need to figure it out because they're getting a lot of hate online and a lot of slander for Steve Levy and all that stuff. But and, and can I be perfectly frank? Beast mode just cracks me up. Like I realize he talks, you know, like I don't, I don't know what I don't want to stereotype him. I listen to the way he talks and it makes me laugh. I think he does it. I don't think he's playing a character. I just think he's legitimately he's hilarious. Funny dude. I mean, yeah. he, he always has donuts since high school in the <laughs> golf cart and after the games. Ghost yeah. riding the whip had me tie, and he is down with Peyton. Like he loves Peyton Manning. So I don't know, the uh, sheriff. How could you not like him? I know him. he was but, laughing at everything Eli was saying. Oh gosh! And then he, Eli <laughs> went and got a shot, and he said, "You get one for me." He says, "Yeah, I got one for Big Bro and for you." He's like, "That's right." It's just I don't know, guys. Wait, let's let's talk about the Saints now. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> but look, we're gonna by the time you hear this podcast, uh, go over to our. Instagram page and let us know what your thoughts would be on listening to ESPN traditional broadcasts or listening to the Manning brothers. We'd be anxious to hear what you have to say. All right. About the game. Um, it, it was slow. It had moments. I will say this. I'm proud of Jameis Winston. My guy's on, uh, he hasn't had a turnover in a minute. Uh, I think he hasn't had a turnover in four games. That's the longest streak I think he's ever had. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of hard when you're Letting Alvin Kamara run 30 times. You can't really throw picks. I tell you what, though, he still throws some stuff. I think even Drew Brees was like, well, why did he throw that? Um, there's um, a, I think it was in the fourth quarter, there's a play. Drew Brees was watching. I was listening yeah. to him. And Jawan Johnson was open left side of the field with a four-man screen. They ran it back. Him. Yeah, yeah four-man screen against two Seattle people. He could have just walked into the end zone. He didn't see it, and he got sacked. And they ended up kicking a field goal at the end of the game. So. Did we think Seattle would be this bad without their quarterback? Yes. Yep. Pete, Pete Carroll's a fraud. That's why we had <laughs> – no, listen. That's why we had Kevin Stefanski in our top five coaching yeah. over him because Russell Wilson's been paying up and making him look better than he is because Russell Wilson's obviously a top five Hall of Fame talent and, in the league right and now. And good players get theirs. Yes. Yeah, I'm not saying they're just going to be the same team without Russell Wilson, obviously. Sure. Uh, they should be winning some games because if they had Russell Wilson in these last four games to finish out the Ravens game and the other few games, they're winnable. they probably could have won every single one of those with Russell Wilson, and they probably wouldn't have been in a one-score situation with him either. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm upset that Carson's hurt because if Carson was starting and doing poorly, then no one would say a word because last year Dak got hurt and Zeke got reamed out for it. But. Yeah. We don't get to see that. We saw Rashad Penny get, I think, five touches, six yards or something. 
Terrible. I'm just listening to all the national <laughs> broadcasters. <laughs> many of them. Many of them. Not Dan Patrick. He's always pretty even. Sorry, I'm pretty bitter this week. No, no. I mean, you you heard it here, guys. Pete Carroll is a fraud, according to <laughs> guys without helmets. Um, gosh, that's just not as good. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, but everyone but Dan Patrick pretty much is saying Seattle is absolutely trash. They're getting in line for a draft pick unless this guy comes back quickly. And the I, draft is shallow this year. Yeah. Outside of maybe two running backs and like four receivers, there's nothing really. And they don't even need that. Yeah, and they also traded their first round pick for a safety. So the <laughs> Jet, the Jets will also be getting a top 10 pick with all these games being lost without Russell Wilson. And that's just icing on the cake for good. They can get Slovis and get Zach Wilson out of there. Yeah. No, guys. <laughs> can you draft a coach with a pick? That's what the Jets need to do. Pete, I mean, Pete's one of those guys that, let's be honest, let's look back for a second. He inherited some really good or put it's like together. Way back. Yeah, he put together a really good coaching scheme. A lot of guys came out of there. Dan Quinn, just to name one, mm-hmm. but several. That Legion, Legion of, Boom, of Boom left with him. It was legendary. It, it, yeah, but it was legendary. You have to look back and say, yeah, he's had Russell Wilson for most of this time. Um, that that's a lot to help you know quarterback or a coach to be successful. Yeah, I can't say their team's gotten any better other than the fact that Russell Wilson has obviously progressed over time. Sure, the things that Russell, Pete Carroll's been in charge of just haven't improved, and they yeah. really really lucked out with all the great players they got in those two drafts. With all, with basically half of them all there, you got the tackle leader on the team still. He's been the, one of the best linebackers in the league for ten years. Mm-hmm. You obviously had your franchise quarterback and Marshawn Lynch, as we were just talking about. They had a fantastic team. Their team has not improved. Basically, all those dudes are either retiring or leaving off of contracts. Their mm-hmm. team has not gotten any better when they were going to the Super Bowl, basically, in contention for five years. Poor Russ. Russ is going to be there after this coach is gone. I mean, and in fairness. Nah, he, he wanted to be traded last year. That's true, but we'll see. He could be, oof. I could see him getting traded. For, somebody will pull the trigger on him. Washington? Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm, anybody. Literally if, anybody. If he's available, I mean. It, what, what's their team going to be without Russell Wilson? Because they're basically making all these moves with expecting that Russell oh, Wilson's yeah. still going to be there. They paid Tyler Lockett a lot of money, and they, we obviously saw with that, with Geno Smith, he's not going to be doing anything. I believe he had 16 yards or something last night. Not acceptable for a guy that's getting paid that much. And I'm not going to put it on Tyler Lockett. I'm going to put it on the quarterback situation. So if Russell Wilson's gone, they're paying a safety a lot of money. They're playing receivers a lot of money that don't have a quarterback. They have no draft picks for the next two years. It's a big problem if he leaves, and they're – their team's going to be one of the worst in the league if mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah, they put all their chips in for a championship the last two years getting Jamal Adams, and everyone's been hurt. It yeah, hasn't worked yeah. out. So no, really risky play, and it obviously didn't work out. So hate to see it, but yeah, no, that's the NFL. That's how it goes. All right, before we jump into previewing week eight, we're going to just take a look inside the stats, a segment where we dive a little deeper into some interesting and telling stats. Josh, what do you have for us this week? Yep, so every week I'm going to be starting off with your stat leaders now because the season's kind of developed a little bit more. You don't have big games at the beginning of the season, kind of leading stats. So to begin, we're going to start with the receivers. For your top five receivers, you have Cooper Cup with 809 yards, Jamar Chase with 754, Devontae Adams with 744, Debo Samuel 648, and Tyreek Hill 641. Names behind them are DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson, and Terry McLaurin. Justin Jefferson will likely be up there because he had a bye week. Next, you have the running backs, Derrick Henry, who has 869 yards. Then you have Jonathan Taylor, 579, Joe Mixon, 539, and Nick Chubb, 523, and Ezekiel Elliott, 521. Interesting, Lamar Jackson is number six, 480. He's the sixth best running back this year. He's Not a quarterback. To add that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the yeah. league as well. Your most efficient backs in the league are Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, and Damian Harris, surprisingly. Next for your quarterbacks, no surprise, Tom Brady, 2,275 yards. 
best quarterback in the league right now touchdown to pick ratio as well Derek Carr number two 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 six nine Matthew Stafford 2,172 Patrick Mahomes surprisingly after all these bad weeks 2,093 and Kyler Murray 2,002 right behind him you also have Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott and everyone else in the league basically has 1,700 yards because of all the bye weeks now so next for the next stat we have the defenders not going to get too deep on there but Bobby Wagner as I was saying 80 tackles number one Miles Garrett nine and a half sacks and Trevon Diggs seven if you add the Second and third leader for interception, they would only total to Trevon Diggs. He's clearly running away with the position right now. Yeah, I heard him get a little scrutiny from some guys saying he can't cover, but he can sure pick the ball. I would argue to pick the ball, you kind of got to cover. And to be fair, some of those picks uh, were absolutely jumping coverage. So, Yeah, I mean, I would say he's closer to an Xavier Howard because Xavier Howard, you watch him every week, he kind of gets burned every once in a while and if he's not getting interceptions people don't care about him <laughs> right and i think that's the problem and i think that's that's more or less the situation people are talking about he's not a shutdown corner but he is going to get a lot of turnovers just like Xavier howard and for my next one i'm only doing one more but it's going to be a rather large one as we know tom brady first player in nfl history to hit 600 touchdowns uh we know obviously being the first player to do so he's in a league of his own so let's compare him to some of the better players of all time as well he has 180 more touchdowns than dan marino basically consensus top five for most people next this is kind of embarrassing 300 away from john elway 300 more his better career two times a career of john elway (laughs) you have he's 327 away from joe montana and steve young 368 away Mm. if you combine them he's still 95 touchdowns better gosh this one this one's even worse (laughs) the original tb12 388 touchdowns away Troy Aikman, 435 touchdowns whoa, away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy, easy. I know, I know. But um, when you add basically the best th- the best three quarterbacks in terms of wins, mm-hmm. aside from Tom Brady, you have Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, Troy Aikman. Combined, they have 650 touchdowns. So if Tom Brady plays one more season, he'll have more <laughs> than those three guys combined. Combined. Three bona fide Hall of Fame, Super Bowl, multiple Super Bowl winning Each, quarterbacks. The most winningest quarterbacks in history behind Tom Brady. Yeah, because my math's bad. Eight, nine, ten, eleven Super yep. Bowls between them, and Tom has seven? Yep. Jeez. And just to top it off, we're going to go to interceptions because people are saying, well, it's different passing era. They mm-hmm. didn't pass as much. Mm-hmm. Let's look at comparison by average. Tom Brady's thrown 7,000 more times than Terry Bradshaw. Oof. He also has 16 less interceptions. Gosh. So let's, let's, is it safe to say the efficiency of quarterbacks, especially Tom Brady, is higher than it was in the 70s? Yeah, I mean, if Tom Brady threw as much as they did, he'd be far superior is what I'm getting to. But if we look at, if, the, if these players were going with Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, Troy Aikman, mm-hmm. three best winners other than Tom Brady, if they threw as many times as he did, Joe Montana would have 281 interceptions. Troy Aikman would have 325 interceptions. And hold your seat. Terry Bradshaw would have 586 interceptions. <laughs> Oof. I know it's a different era, but no, Tom no. Brady in a different era is outproducing them regardless of what he said. Yeah, 100%. Tom Brady is clearly the best quarterback. <sighs> well, I mean, he's had longevity. He's missed a year and a quarter because of a suspension and an ACL injury. He's played every single year. He's been a top five quarterback every single year of his career. He's been MVP two or three times. He's probably going to win it this year. He's on pace for it. 
He's unstoppable. He's the best player in yeah. NFL history. I mean, I've been critical of him for years. People that know me know I'm critical of him for years because I get tired of seeing, even when my Cowboys won a couple in a row, I was like, gosh, you know, there needs to be parity. Um, I, I think I just get tired you of the. You did not say that. I, well, you weren't even around back then. That's how <laughs> I long told it's you been. I was born, and then the Cowboys just yeah, lost. I think you're the curse. My point is, I was super critical. I think because I get tired of every year Belichick and Brady, Belichick and Brady, and then when you know when he parted ways, I, I started thinking to myself, I got to give these guys a fair shake. See how they do without each other. I, it's different for for coach because he's starting with a rookie quarterback. You got to give a rookie quarterback a chance. I mean, you don't expect him to come out, you know, of the of the gun and just be blazing. But well, I think he's second or third year with the Patriots. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but Brady has just proven to me one. It seems like he's a lot of fun. Even the way he's handled uh, the six hundred touchdown game ball. I've been listening to that all day. Like it's class, you know. I mean, the guy's full of class, and everyone he played with, including his biggest rival, Peyton Manning. They're besties. Like, yeah. So I, I can't be a hater it's of a the game. guy. You can't let it be like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem people had was accepting the, the type of dominance that the Patriots yeah. and Tom Brady had. People didn't want to see them just, oh, no. another season of Tom Brady. Ah, oh, another season exactly. of Exactly. And I think people also... I was pro- bitter, okay? People Forgive also me. proclaim these players, once you see a couple of years that they're the best. We see it with Patrick Mahomes right now. He was, he's been the best quarterback in the league for three years, and he won a Super Bowl in that time as well. But we're seeing that he's not playing well right now, and people are like, is he really that good? And I think that's the biggest problem when you put those guys up so high and just Tom Brady never came off of that hill. Yeah, that's the same thing. I'm going to compare him to LeBron James, not as a player or mm-hmm. being the best ever. Yeah, I got you. But when LeBron kept winning with the Heat and the Cavs, he was like, we well, couldn't do that in the West, and he went to the Lakers and won it. And he won, yeah. Yeah, and the same thing with him. He's been winning in the easiest division in football. Can't win without Belichick. He can't win without Belichick. Can't win without being in the AFC mm-hmm. or in that division. And he goes to the, a harder division, a harder conference, and he wins yeah. it the first year. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, I'm blown away by the guy. I listen, Tom. I know you don't listen either. If you did, if you're listening to this podcast, Tom Brady, I know. Come on, humor me. Play as you making subway commercials. It's true. Play as long as you want to. As long as you keep playing like this, please play as long <laughs> as possible. You know, I know quarterbacks hit a wall and it happens overnight. When he has a losing season, he's done. Yeah, when he'll know when he's done. He knows his body better than anybody. So, you think? Wow. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on into some week eight stuff. By that, I mean we're going to start with our lock of the week. As you know, each week we go down the list and we tell you teams that we feel like we guarantee are going to win this week. So let's just go around the table. Caleb, start. What is your lock of the week? Cincinnati over the Jets because the Jets are the Jets. <laughs> Jets are Jets. Yep. Well said. Uh, my lock yeah. of the week, uh, and for your reason, uh, Tampa Bay. I know everyone's saying that New Orleans is going home and has a chance to, with momentum to take care of Tampa Bay. Nope. Tampa Bay is my lock of the week. Yep, and for me, I'm going to go back to what was likely the best team in the league before the season, Kansas City Chiefs over the New York Giants. We saw Patrick Mahomes basically have the worst game of his career. Last game, they only put up three points, but he only had one interception, unlike the guy they're playing, Daniel Jones. (laughs) Cannot say his worst game is just one interception or one turnover. He's a turnover machine, and uh, I just don't think their offense is going to get settled against the Chiefs. I know they're the worst defense in the league right now, but I think that when the Chiefs' offense is humming and – the Giants have to catch up. It's just not going to happen for them. And they also lost one of their best defenders in Jabril Peppers with a ruptured ACL, unfortunately. So I think this is going to be a hard task for the Giants, even though the Chiefs have not been playing well. Chiefs just have to blitz every play. Daniel Jones melts. Yeah, All no. his receivers are hurt. Shepard re-injured his hamstring last week. I think Slayton's back. Tony might be back. We don't know, but 
I think he just blitzed him every play. Yeah, and the biggest, Saquon still not, might not be back as well. So Andrew Thomas, if he's not playing, Daniel Jones has not played well without him, other than the last game, which you could say Sam Darnold played worse than him. but He did. <laughs> he did. All right, let's move over to our upsets. Caleb, who do you have as your upset this week? Chicago over San Francisco. I think Khalil Herbert is amazing, and San Francisco's been getting ran all over. I don't know another word for that. They're getting trampled by running backs. And I think that Shanahan's getting exposed a little bit in fields. Is not as bad as he just performed, obviously. I think he'll bounce back this game. How about the hot seat? Nagy's still sitting right on top of that thing, oh, yeah. or is it cooling off? 100%. No, it's not cooling off. Good. All right, Josh, what do you have for an upset? Yep, for me, I'm going to go Pittsburgh Steelers over the Browns. Uh, I, I, bet against, I bet against the Browns last week picking the Broncos. I didn't feel great about it, but I knew that it was an opportunity for the Broncos to take advantage. But Kevin Stefanski is obviously better than the Broncos. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm picking the Steelers because they're coming fresh off the bye week. Mike Tomlin's very angry because people are asking him if he's taking the USC job. Never say never, but never. Yep, he's yeah. saying, "Why would you ask this to me? Why would you ask me this?" Basically, because he said, "Would you ask Andy Reid? Would you ask Sean Payton?" Well, but in fairness, none of those guys' names was brought up by Carson Palmer on national radio show. I mean, no. everyone listens to the Dan, you know, Patrick show, and that's where it broke. Well, know? I think it's because they get paid more than him, but I hear what he's trying to say, but, but not not know. to get into that. But uh, the rushing yards for. The Browns have been number one in the league because of the game that Dearness Johnson had last week. I do not think that's going to happen again for him, especially if he's the starter. Pittsburgh Steelers have been a top six defense this year, and uh, they would be top five. T.J. Watt didn't miss a couple of games, and I think this is a great spot for them, especially because the Pittsburgh Steelers are healthy, and this is just not what the Browns have been all year, and Baker Mayfield, unfortunately, has been playing just as bad or just as good, however you want to put it, as Ben Roethlisberger this year. (laughs) This is bad. (laughs) That's just funny. Tua's I mean, outplaying him. Yeah. Is it just as bad? or just, I don't know. It's Baker Mayfield. That's yeah, wait, hilarious. wait. Tua has just as many touchdowns as him in two games. Hey, I hear you on three. Three. We won't get back three. into yeah, that. Let's three not get and back one into play. It. We'll talk about quarterbacks here in the uh, buy or sell. Believe me. Okay. Uh, for me, my upset, uh, I don't trust Atlanta being favored at home. I don't trust Atlanta to win at all. I know they've rambled off a couple wins, and Carolina has stumbled. I think this week Carolina gets back on the winning side of football and figures something out against Atlanta. If there's a team they can do it against, it should be the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, so there you have it. You have our locks. You have our upsets. Now for hot takes. Caleb, what is your hot take of the week? This is only if he suits up. Joe Flacco, if he plays, okay. will have three touchdowns. Whoa, Joe Flacco. For the lowly Jets. Yep, I think he on, when he's on the Ravens, he loved peppering his running backs. I think Michael Carter and Elijah Moore are going to be very good with him, especially with him checking down. He is older, so it should be good. What's the probability that he will start? I have no idea. It's the Jets. I mean, it's Mike White, so probably high. <laughs> Does he? He doesn't know the offense. Obviously, it's a completely different. He was coaching stuff. Well, yeah, probably. Flacco. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a different coaching stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it's all different. Josh, what about? He remembers your... what the stadium looks like, though. That's true. <laughs> he remembers how to get ago. to his locker room. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. That's an advantage. <laughs> yep. For me, I'm going to say that Matthew Stafford. He will throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns against, as you would say, the lowly Houston Texans. They've scored single digits in three of the last four games, and they're just. I know they get turnovers, but they're playing against Matthew Stafford, and he's not exactly a a poor quarterback or a bad-performing quarterback. This is going to be a blowout win for the Rams, unfortunately for Texans fans, and I think it's no different. 400 yards, four touchdowns. 
All right. Thank you, Josh. Moving into another segment we call Educated Guests. This is where we give you waiver wire players that you might want to keep your eyes on that are obviously not on top of your waiver wire list. Again, if you're not sure how to find those guys, uh, this is probably not the podcast for you. But we are going to give you some educated guesses. Caleb, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, real quick, if you are tied in skimpy, I would say CJ Uzama. I mean, he had three catches last game for 97 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. Not sustainable. That's not one of my, my oh, three. Oh, that's a bonus. It's a bonus. bonus another another bonus is we saw Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard go on the COVID list. So keep an eye out for any Packers. I don't know by game day that more will be on the it list. So just keep an eye on the Packers. Oh, sorry, I just want to add. Devontae Adams is up in the air, but Lazard is not vaccinated, I don't believe, so he has to miss this week. Gotcha. Yep. Due to the new protocol. All right, so all that was free. Yep, that's free. All right, give us your t- three. All right, three number three week. is the first one I'm doing is Boston Scott. He's a replacement for Miles Sanders who sprained his ankle. He'll be out two to four weeks. Boston Scott probably won't get a lot of touches, but he did fall into the end zone this last game. So if you're desperate for a flex player, keep an eye on him as a handcuff. And if Kenneth Gainwell somehow gets hurt in this next two or four weeks, he could get everything every down. Number two, I have Pat Fryermuth. Again, I had him last week, but just want to remind y'all, the game he played without Juju, he was 7 of 7 for 58 yards. He absorbed all of Juju's targets that game. We thought it would be dispersed between all the receivers, James Washington maybe. Fryermuth got it all. And at the time, he was 6% owned. I don't know how much has changed during the bye week. I can't imagine many people picked him up. So he might still be on your waiver wire. Take a look. Number one, y'all are going to be surprised. It is not a running back. It is not a wide receiver. It's not a tight end. It's not a quarterback. It is a kicker (laughs) for the first time. Evan McPherson, the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. He has 57 fantasy points this year, which is a ton for a kicker. He's ranked 102 in Yahoo, which is great for a kicker. He has more points than his teammates, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. He has more points than Miles Sanders, more points than Chase Claypool, and more points than Keenan Allen as a kicker let's go he's only eight percent owned in yahoo so if you guys are streaming a kicker or you don't have a great kicker starting evan mcpherson has been consistently getting points and he's on the Bengals, who are scoring a ton lately i don't think the touchdowns are gonna keep going like that but they will get to the red zone with mm-hmm. that offense that they're running so look for evan mcpherson let me recap them all boston scott pat fryermuth evan mcpherson evan mcpherson the kicker Yep, and uh, the kickers missing this week obviously are Daniel or Carlson for the Raiders and Justin Tucker. You're obviously not cutting him, so it'd be a big pickup there if you have one of them. Awesome. Thank you, Caleb. All right, we're going to move into a segment that we like to call buy or sell. Quite frankly, I'm going to make a statement, and I'm going to ask the guys if, in fact, they are buying or selling the statement. Here we go. Joe Burrow is now elite. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was – all right, why? It's one game. It's oh. a divisional game. Okay. I say we wait, like most people don't do. I think that it's very early, in my opinion. I think the offense is looking really good. They played really good against the Ravens. Obviously, I think he had four touchdowns, which is absurd. It's great. He looked really good. The running backs both had long touchdowns. The tight end got two. Jamar Chase broke another one. T. Higgins had 15 targets. I just think I, I, I can't buy it right now. I just with that division it's so wishy washy and it was a divisional game we just saw so we have some recency bias. Mm. It was probably his best game of his career so far, and I don't see it being an every week thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's elite either. I'm gonna sell. Uh, I mean, he's had a great start to the year. Obviously, I think he's thrown two touchdowns in every single game. And uh, my my staple is you have to be far superior than Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins 
and that's simply not the truth. They're both great quarterbacks. People kind of sleep on them for some reason, but you have to be far better than them in my mind for you to even be in the consideration. He's been he's been as good as them, as I can say, this year. They're all kind of in the same tier, and once he's out of that, if he gets out of that, then we can talk about that, but not right now. Yep, I'm going to agree with not right now. Like With Dak coming into the league, we saw him translate immediately, and everyone dubbed him elite immediately, year one and two, and I disagree with that at the time, but now obviously he's a top-five quarterback. Mm-hmm. So things could change. We'll see if Joe Burrow can grow in this because he is playing like Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr level right now if he keeps it up. If he gets better from this, obviously he's elite, but as of right now, I'm I'm selling. Yeah, and that, that by any means being a consideration with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr is not a bad thing in my mind at least because I think I think they're, they're very good receivers. I think they're or not great receivers. I think they're obviously what you're saying, franchise quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And Joe Burrow that was drafted first overall to be that, obviously, but I think it's as Gale was saying, just too soon. I mean if Joe Burrow ends up being Philip Rivers and you won. I mean, well, yeah, he I, was never elite, but he's a Hall of Fame yeah. caliber quarterback because of his longevity and his consistency. You know, I'm, I'm echoing you guys. I know people are jumping on the bandwagon. He did have his, my understanding, best game he's ever had. He's 60%, not as accurate as you know, Tua. As Tua. <laughs> uh, just throwing that out there. Um, he's only been as accurate as Tua a couple games, by the way. But for the record, uh, yeah, he was 60%, 416 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 113 rating. He does have a 108.9 quarterback rating he has 17 touchdowns eight picks and 1956 yards throwing just under 70 percent 68.9 so i'm impressed and he is getting the job done i his, can't put him in that elite class his my schedule's been super light outside of the well, ravens i can't put him in the elite class either so i'm also going to sell yeah and one thing to notice as well as if you're watching the game you don't see them in the red zone a ton the touchdowns come from way beyond the red zone and that's kind of more of a benefit of his of his playmakers on his team i think he's doing well but the playmakers have made it a different team for this team opposing other teams this year yeah that's why at the beginning of the show i said it's an unsustainable offense it's not yeah, realistic yeah. they don't go to the red zone they just break in long plays it's great it's fun to watch it's great for them as a team but i don't see it being sustainable i i totally agree yeah i i think he's he is Definitely proving in his second year that he's a solid quarterback. Elite, I think you have a way to go for that. Okay, next question. Deshaun Watson will be traded before the deadline. Uh, I'm going to sell. I don't think he is. I think, especially with people coming out now and saying that it's all been smoke as far as trade deals, Washington and I believe Miami both said they haven't offered anything for him. It's all just smoke, them talking him up so people could trade for him, I think. He has too too much uncertainty right now. And I wouldn't, I don't see teams gambling on that right now, especially with how much they're asking for. We have another week of before the trade, right? One more game. Um, Tuesday the 2nd, I think, is the trade. November. Okay, so one more game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to buy. I think that he's going to be moved. I think there's no, the Texans, I think, at least considering him to be moved, is them noticing that he's not going to be playing. He obviously has a no trade clause, meaning that. If, if if they both agree to get traded, he can be traded. We already know this, but he, he can deny what teams he wants to go to. So if there's no good teams, then he probably won't be moved because he's going to be getting paid a lot of money still. But I think that he will be moved because there's a lot of struggling quarterbacks. Oddly, or funnily enough, they're the teams that passed on him to get uh, cornerbacks, mm-hmm. their teams went 3-0 and to begin the year, Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater, and now they've lost every single game since then. So I think it's just kind of funny to see that they might be the ones that might get him. Yeah, and it's funny because he – he kind of has all the cards here as far as being traded because of the no trade clause. He said he wanted to play for Miami. He wanted to play for San Fran before they got Trey Lance. And he wanted to play, I believe, for Seattle. But I don't think he would take the trade to Carolina. I don't I don't see that happening. See, I think that let, let's unpack that for a second. I don't think he's going to Denver. I just don't think that they're no. uh, I don't think they're gonna do that. I, th- I, th- I think he would rather go to the Steelers 
Miami or Seattle. I don't see Pittsburgh unless something crazy happens. Because I just think the Rooneys just don't do that. Uh, Miami certainly in play. I believe. I think Washington could be in play, but I think Carolina is the best fit because they're a team that need a quarterback immediately who have some talent, running back, wide receiver, so on, and they have a great defense. So I think in his eyes, of the, all the teams we mentioned, with the exception of Pittsburgh, over Miami, Denver, Washington, I think Carolina is the best place for him to land and be on an upgraded team. Yeah, I think it might be a long shot, but I think I think the Falcons are a great spot for him because Matt Ryan's basically getting paid way too much money, and I think it's a better it, it improves if you're if you're planning on having Davis Mills as your franchise quarterback, Matt Ryan being a similar type of player to Davis Mills would help and appreciate Davis Mills a lot more if he was there the first couple of years while coaching up Davis Mills, and I think that Deshaun Watson, I believe, was also born in Georgia. He's a Falcons fan. I think it's a great fit, and I think that because he gets to pick where he wants to go, if the Falcons are willing to swap quarterbacks, then I think that's a great spot, possibly. Can we, can we throw a wrench in it? Do you think that the Vikings would have a, a word with that? Do you think that they'll try to get him? I don't know that I, I believe anything other than potentially Miami because there's been so much hype. I just I'm don't, just speculating. Yeah, I, I don't know. Mike Zimmer said before last year and early this year before the season started that he's tired of Kirk Cousins' shenanigans. As far as the vaccine, Mike Zimmer is a clown, but right. But I think that, especially their fan base has already wanted them out a couple times before. I think teams the need to do something is probably Carolina, Washington, potentially yes. Denver. I was just trying yeah. to see if y'all thought the Vikings. Would I mean, be no. I mean, it depends what Kirk Cousins does because the last few games have been very good. I know he had to lead a clutch drive basically mm-hmm. every game to get in field goal <laughs> range, and then obviously overtime, KJ Osborne reenacted the Stephon Diggs yeah. helmet throw. So he's he's been great this year, in my opinion. He's pulled out a lot of games they probably shouldn't have been that close to begin with but i think that they won't he won't be on the move to the vikings unless something unfortunately injury wise happens and they can move on so from what you've heard and we know we're, we're, people aren't really talking about these type of things three teams that you think he's most likely to to be dealt to yeah i think you basically hit it i think uh the two teams that passed on him, the broncos and the panthers and then the washington football team who taylor heineke has not been good for the last three games or so yeah, realistically, I don't think the Miami is going to pull the trigger on that. I think Tua's playing very well, and I don't think that they're going to waste picks in their time with a guy who's a little bit better than that. We'll see if Tua's consistent, but he's playing at that caliber. Yeah, and I think that the largest, as you're saying, uh, the largest problem in him going to Miami is the Tua situation because it's also rumored with the other rumors that Deshaun would be heading there is that the Texans do not want Tua, and they would have to bring in a third team, as we're saying, which we don't know that you have to have three teams if that, in that situation. And basically, if that does not occur and a third team does not want them, then that trade's not going to happen. Yeah, if the Steelers want to throw up two firsts for Tua in a three-way trade, I'm all for it. Are the Steelers in a situation where they're close enough to do that? I mean, do they need their draft picks over the next couple no. of years? No, and I think the, the biggest thing for the Steelers, they've been one of the better... They've been done a lot better than most of the league with their money. They're mm-hmm. very good with their money. And that's why you see that whenever they draft big-time receivers, they often go to free agency with, like, Emmanuel Sanders and other players. But we see they're, receiver, they're very good at re- drafting receivers, which cost a lot of money now with the long-term contracts. And they usually don't perform in those contracts as well, which is why you'll probably see Juju on the way after this season. And they also do very well at drafting linebackers and edge rushers. That's a big thing. Those are one of the largest, highest-paying positions on the defense. And they rotate those guys out very well. Also, we saw Alex Highsmith, who I believe was a third rounder, is the now the starter over Melvin Ingram. Or, yeah, Melvin Ingram. And I think that that's how they save all their money. And I think that if they get a chance to improve their quarterback, as I was saying, Mike Tomlin, for some reason, was talking about athletic quarterbacks, <laughs> might be a hint there. But uh, I think if they get a franchise quarterback somehow without having to draft, 
I think that's great for them because usually if they have a, a late draft pick, they'll trade up and get a franchise linebacker or something like that. All right, moving on. Next question. Allen Robinson will be traded before the deadline. I'm going to sell. I think Matt Nagy's in the hot seat. He's going to try and keep all the toys in the toy bin. He doesn't want to get rid of any any opportunities. I know that him and um, Justin Fields are not really clicking, but I think that that could change. I don't think he's traded. I don't think that anyone's going to pay up for him. He's been playing pretty bad, and Matt Nagy can't afford to lose anything on his team right now. Yeah, I... <laughs> it's hard to say because he's basically been a non-factor this year. Yeah, he's been a decoy. More or less because of the quarterback situation. But I'm going to I'm going to sell. I think un- unless a team offers up a ton for him, a guy that's basically not on a contract. Like they're the gonna, Packers or somebody? Yeah, that they're going to have to pay up for after this year, and then I don't think it's going to happen. I well, think it's the only situation. I just said that just popped in my head, but the Packers wouldn't be a bad spot for him because they're going to be moving Devontae Adams after this year, as it seems. Yeah. And they could get a franchise receiver right here. Yeah, I've been critical of them. You guys have loved them. Um, obviously, productivity, uh, as you mentioned, Josh, is not ideal. I mean, he hasn't caught a touchdown pass in weeks. Hasn't had a ton of targets. He's just really not. Uh... Yeah, and I think that Allen Robinson's kind of the. It's kind of one of the last guys you'd want for a rookie quarterback because mm-hmm. he, you can't visibly see that much separation. But when he when he's in front of the defender, he's going to catch it. And I think that that's that's not great for a rookie quarterback who kind of doesn't understand what open is. They always reference this: what open in the in college, not the same as open in the NFL. Very tight windows. And I think that if if the Dolphins want to improve their passing game, they can get someone like Allen Robinson who fits to a very well mm-hmm. tight window throws, a tight window player. It's mm-hmm. a great spot for, in my opinion. And I think that the, as I was saying before, the only only reason he'd be traded is if someone offers a lot of draft capital knowing they're going to have to pay him the next year. Is there a chance that he's just kind of over it too? This performance maybe saying he's tired of being uh, a Chicago I mean, Bear. He wanted out last year and they got fields so they convinced him to stay. He got tagged again. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think that it's I don't think it's that Justin Fields is bad by any means, but I think there's also been communication errors. I know they talked about it after the Tampa Bay game, but they were saying that they basically over the last two games they've had plays where they've they, they've said that there's 12 members of the defense on the field, so they hike it very quickly, and he chucks it up basically basically as a free play, as you always would do, mm-hmm. and that has not been the case. They've basically led him the wrong way, and it's led to interceptions. And there's also been plays where he's hitting Darnell Mooney straight in the hands, and it's bouncing off and going for interceptions. So, Not good. Not good there in Chicago. Okay, moving on. Antonio Gibson is a bust. Um, there's two ways to answer this question. I think yes. <laughs> yeah, buy or sell. <laughs> no, 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 listen. I'm buying for a fantasy, yes, okay. because people are drafting him at the end of the first, top of the second, right? and he's not performing at that, obviously. Yeah, because everyone who writes an article in a fantasy anywhere says that he's a viable RB1. Yes, I, he is a bust this year. I think he is a bust as a every down back in this league. I'm going to mm-hmm. buy. Okay. He, right now, is running 3.96 yards a carry, which is way below the league average for a every down back. Mm-hmm. He has three touchdowns. Hasn't he, had a touchdown in three weeks. Let and me. all of his touchdowns have been broken coverage, yeah. like 60 yard down the field. He is not a factor at all. He's had 14 catches in the reception game. He's losing all of that to J.D. McKissick, who has outsnapped him in the last two games. This is his last week for me to see if he's even good this year well, because he's playing Denver who has no linebackers. But he's nursing a shin injury. He's playing through a fractured shin bone, yeah. which for one, he shouldn't even be playing. Yeah. The coaches shouldn't even let him play because if, if he gets rolled up on, he's going to snap that in half. You'll have another Joe Theismann. Yeah, another it's, it's, it's not Smith. It's not smart. He's not playing well enough to where people drafted him. 
and he's he's not that good this year. And Denver is his last opportunity for me to believe in him because they they are they just let up like 300 yards against the Browns with, yeah. without their two starting running. Backs. If he can't run on them, he can't run on anybody. Yeah. I'm selling. I I haven't seen you know I don't know maybe the injury. I don't get it. Um, he had 90 yards you know against the Chargers. Outside of that, it's he's been suspect. His average is not going up. He's not getting in the end zone. Um, he's not getting uh, you know first downs. He's just not. He doesn't appear to be as productive a back as you need so, at RB1. So you said no. So you're saying he is a bust or he's not a bust? Antonio Gibson is a bust. I'm buying that. Okay. We're both buying. Yeah, we're both well, buying. For me, for every reason that y'all have said, basically not efficient whatsoever. And he's not really. he wasn't even really that efficient in his first year as well. And he, he came in as a receiver slash running back, kind of up in the air for the most part. They even had teams requesting for him to see his receiving ability when he was coming in as a receiver. Which is kind of weird. He's not well. even being used as a receiver. No, and I was about to say that. And the two, basically, he's been hurt for two or three weeks with the shin injury. And in the last two weeks, JD McKissick's snap share has gone up from 40 to the 60s. And he's also gotten 10 targets and six targets, eight receptions, four receptions, 100 yards combined over those two games. We also saw on, I believe, Thursday or Monday, one of those two, or one of those nights, where JD McKissick basically went five for five, 44 in a touchdown large plays and he was kind of the starter against over the giants him. yeah against against or above a gibson that game and i think that he's just been too unreliable with his injury and he's, he's basically been touchdown dependent i know last year when he played against the cowboys he had three touchdowns or something on thanksgiving the next time he played him one o'clock game it was i think it was raining or something it was it was the game that um john bostick knocked out andy dalton he also had three games or touchdowns in that game so i think in his 12 touchdowns of his career was coming two games against the cowboys yeah, I don't want to toot our own horns, but I don't know if we said this before on this podcast, but me and Josh have always said Antonio Gibson, his usage and his touchdowns are not sustainable, especially for fantasy football. Players, other than Aaron Jones, who's an anomaly, and Derrick Henry, obviously, is the best running back in the league right now, that have more than three touchdowns in a game, it's not sustainable. It's not realistic. And how Josh was saying with the Cowboys last year, they were a bottom-tier rush defense with a shattered team, new coach. They couldn't stop him. He had three busted touchdowns in each game that they played, so that kind of boosted him up with people thinking how good he was because he did have double-digit touchdowns last year. Yeah, I think Washington's been struggling to figure it out um, for a long time with the running back position. So, um, um, go yeah, ahead, Josh, I another think, thought. I think the largest – or why everyone wanted him was because of uh, Scott Turner. We know that in the Turner offense from his dad and from him as well later it was with Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers, and we saw that Christian McCaffrey was the only running back on that team getting all the carries after his first year, and they wanted to give it to him later in the first year as well. So he's basically the, the workhorse receiving and running, and that's what people wanted from Antonio Gibson, and that's what you got for the most part in half of the year last year. But the problem is is you also have A, Taylor Heineke running the offense, and B, your defense is not playing, and it's, whether it's because Taylor Heineke is not playing well and the ball is getting into the other team's hands very quickly, or the defense has just been bad and Jack Del Rio needs to get fired, whatever it is. Yeah. Those two situations do not improve and help that your running game is going to improve as well. So unless they get a quarterback upgrade like Deshaun Watson or something like that, I don't see him being a I don't see him being an RB one for the rest of the year, at least this year. Yeah, I would agree. All right, moving on to our final question. Sam Darnold is no longer the starter for the rest of the season. Buying or selling? I'm selling. I think they have to start him unless there's a trade, mm-hmm. which I don't think Deshaun Watson gets traded, but he could be before this before the week even starts. But we'll see. I think Sam Darnold is the best option they have. They put P.J. Walker in there for a couple drives in the fourth quarter. 
I think late in the third quarter. It might have been at the half. I don't remember. I watched half the game because mm-hmm. I turned it off. But Sam Darnold is better than P.J. Walker, and he is their best option on the field. And him and D.J. Moore do have a good chemistry. I think that it's not really Sam Darnold's fault as much as we think it is. I think it's their game plan. They only run the ball in the first quarter. I believe Chuba Hubbard had 10 carries in the first quarter, and then he had two carries in the rest of the game after that. So they definitely script themselves out of games, and it forces Sam Darnold to make throws. And as we've seen throughout his whole career, he is not proficient. We thought it was just the Jets, but right now we're seeing it. And we, we're a little, uh, what's the word? We were on the fence? No. I think we were a little, not confused, but convinced he was good based off the first three games of the season. He played the Texans, and everyone's freaking out at how good he is because he was very good in that game. But now we find out that Houston's the worst team in the league. So I, I'm saying he's the best option they have, so yeah. he has to start. Yeah, I think I think he'll be the starter for the rest of the year. I don't think he's going to get benched for a P.J. Walker or anything like that. And I don't see Cam Newton coming to the team either or coming back to the team because it is obviously a new coaching staff. But Sam Darnold will be the starter for the rest of the year. And I think that – I think what I was saying – I don't remember what episode this was, but I was saying people are going to be convinced of Sam Darnold because of obviously a new team, no Adam Gase. And we're going to see the conviction of people saying – through the draft process, that he was a the next Peyton Manning or the next great pocket passer or whatever. And he, basically, he's not. We saw that, and we saw through the first three games that it was very easy matchups, and he played well, and he can't spread the ball for some reason. We know, I believe, Robbie Anderson has 20 targets over the last two games or something ridiculous, and he only has 25 yards. So the, the ball is not being spread very well. And uh, yeah, It sounds the, like T. Higgins on the Bengals. Yeah, and I, I think the, the problem also is that He's he went into the league with, or the year with Christian McCaffrey, and now he's getting stuck with Chuba Hubbard, who's obviously a downgrade at the position. And the offense is already kind of changing, which we thought was going to be stable mm-hmm. to start the year. Yeah, I, I think he had everything going for him. He had a defense that was that was doing it early on. They've had some injuries. You know, he had a top five running back, uh, an elite running back. He's down. Um, so those things definitely definitely affect you. But I, I, you hit it on the head too, Josh. Houston had rolled out a, a win, and we thought they were maybe a little better. They weren't. Uh, the Jets weren't uh, obviously a good team, and then New Orleans—they beat New Orleans twenty-six to seven. That's a legit win. Yeah, that was—I was saying—that was also the worst game the Saints have had in twenty. Hundred percent. And and during all those, his his you know rating was over ninety-five. It was actually one hundred two ninety-nine ninety-five respectively. Since then, we've seen it go everywhere from eighty-five to forty-four, averaging more like fifty-six. That's not a good quarterback rating. If you're listening to the early part, that's literally half of what Joe Burrow's ratings have been. So he's had games with one or no touchdowns, and he's had game with uh, multiple interceptions. So um, it's not clicking for him, clearly. Uh, he, he is not uh, getting it done for them at the position. However, I agree um, with the question being Darnold's no longer the starter for the rest of the season. They don't have an option, like you said. The, this is it, unless they trade for Watson. I mean, you guys are going to see Sammy. You know, And I hope that Sammy D figures it out. We're rooting for him. We've been rooting for him to get a fresh start. This is it. Um, this should be his opportunity to start. Would have been a lot easier to have McCaffrey in a healthy defense, granted, but he doesn't have that. And um, what do we say? Good players get theirs. He's not getting his. So maybe he's not a good player after all. He's not good. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on. Final segment. We're going to talk about starting. Start him or sit him. Um, It's self-explanatory. Caleb, you got a, a starter for us for this week in fantasy? Yeah. My first one is Joe Mixon against the Jets. I could just say it's because it's the Jets, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit. I think the game's going to be a blowout. I think that Mixon's going to have a ton of carries in the second half. He's currently the seventh best running back in the league for fantasy. He's averaging more than four yards a carry, which is good, and he's playing the Jets, which are Which terrible. is good. It's good for him, yes. Yeah. Yep, and for me, I'm going to say Calvin Ridley. 
I know it's been hard to start him the last couple of weeks, but you're, you're going to start him regardless, I think, from now on, because he's going to prove himself finally. He's had 10-plus targets in each of his last four games. He's also had multiple red zone targets in three of the last four games. And he's basically, he hasn't given you a bad game so far, but he has not produced high yardage because he's been scoring touchdowns and because he's had the sustainable targets. And that's what we're going to see in this offense continuously. And I think that people are finally going to be realizing what Kyle Pitts is. And it's going to be, more is going to be taken away from Calvin Ridley and more towards Kyle Pitts. As we saw, obviously his whole career, he had that big number one ahead of him in Julio Jones and is slowly transitioning into Kyle Pitts now. So he's kind of getting his role back on this offense as Kyle Pitts is a priority or primarily a wide receiver. Okay. Let's uh, give me your second one there, Kev, your second starter this week. Yep, it's C.D. Lamb. It's pretty obvious he's a top 10 receiver, in my opinion. Top 5, in my opinion, if you're asking me personally. But I'm not going to show my bias here. <laughs> uh, he's playing against Minnesota. All their games have been close. I believe they have two or three overtimes this year. They play up to teams that they need to be, and they play down to teams they don't need to be. But in close games, C.D. Lamb's had 104 yards, 81 yards, 84 yards, and 149 yards. So when the game is close, he is Dak's favorite option to go to. So look for this game to be a little closer than probably we'll think, and CeeDee Lamb will go off. Josh, your second starter? Yep, for me, I'm going to say Cole Beasley. I know if you had him last year in fantasy, you're very excited. He's basically a free player that produced as a wide or a high-end wide receiver too, and I think that's no different this week when you see Dawson Knox, who basically in some games had more routes run and more snaps played than Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. And Cole Beasley, obviously, I think this is a big spot for him to pl- come back and take that role from Dawson Knox as he's out. And I think all those passes will basically go towards Cole Beasley as he is the short, reliable target, and that's what Dawson Knox has been. And Cole Beasley, when the ball's thrown to him, he basically, it's in his hands and he catches every time. There's no incompletions because we see 13 targets, 11 catches, 9 targets, 7 catches, 13 and 10. And he's going to be very productive because of Dawson Knox being out, and it's also a very good matchup against the Miami Dolphins. All right, we've given you two uh, players each that you should start. Let's get two that you should sit. Caleb, with your first sit-em. Miles Gaskin. I know he had a crazy 30-point game against Tampa Bay, but that was also with Jacoby Brissett, who checked down to him 10 times, and he caught all 10 of those balls, which is not consistent. I don't think that he can do that again. He also had 18 points against Atlanta this past week, which is good. But he's playing Buffalo, and they are very good at stopping the run, and I do not think that Tua will rely on Miles Gaskin. It's going to be, they're going to be getting blown out is what I'm saying. He's going to get game scripted out, and Tua's going to have to be Superman and probably throw some picks and get hated more, but I would bench Miles Gaskin <laughs> this week. Throwing picks and hating them more. Okay. Josh, what about you? Sit him. Yep. For me, as I was saying earlier, I'm going to go with Robbie Anderson. You might have drafted him, and I believe it's the sixth or eighth round, something like that. He's going to draft it very highly because the quarterback situation was going to be changed, and he's played very well last year. But this year, I believe he over the last four games, he had 11 targets, 7 targets, 11 targets, 9 targets. That's with some of the best wide receivers in the league. But through those four games, he only has 101 yards. And over the last two games, 20 targets, 25 yards. He's just not been productive this year, not reliable. And neither is Sam Darnold after those last few weeks, early, early, early games this year. So I, just, I can't rely on Robbie Anderson. I can't rely on Sam Darnold. Only guy you can rely on is McCaffrey on his back, obviously, and DJ Moore. Well said, Sit him number two, Caleb. Sit him number two is the entire Houston's lineup. <laughs> Anyone s- on Houston. Yep, I said last week the Jets, and I think only Corey Davis scored a touchdown that game. And Michael Carter had some good points. He had, I think, eight PPR, or he had eight catches. So, I mean, he did really well. But Houston is not good, and the Rams are very good. And I think outside of maybe Brandon Cooks, if he can break a long one for a revenge game touchdown, I don't see them doing much against the Rams. All right, Josh, your final sit him. Yep, for me, we had last week, we had the Browns running back sit out, so he had to Ernest Johnson. If you start him, 
You obviously got rewarded with 146 rushing yards and one touchdown, but I think that's different this week. Play against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are finally healthy. T.J. Watt's back. Defensive line's healthy. And uh, Hayward's been one of the best defensive tackles in the league so far this year. So I think it's going to be a hard rushing game, especially when the focus is going to be on the running game and when Baker Mayfield may or may not play. Case Keenum might be playing. And I just think it's a sticky situation for this offense because they weren't able to produce much against the Broncos. So I think it's be much different for the Steelers team who have been a top-five defense and have a top-five edge rush. So I think it's hard matchup for Dearness Johnson this week. Thank you, guys. You heard it here. You're stardom and sit em. We wrap up each episode by looking at the upcoming week and telling you games that we're excited to see just as fans, not as fantasy people, but just some matchups that we think are going to be exciting matchups. Uh, I'll, I'll say right away... Kansas City is going to do work against New York. So if you like to see teams get slaughtered, that's a game for you to watch because I do think Kansas City should find a groove against this team. If not, I'll be surprised. But that's definitely a slaughtered game. I'm really excited to see this Thursday night game that's coming up, the Packers and the Cardinals. The Packers probably won't have a couple receivers because their wide receiver room had a COVID little situation. But I think that this game was going to be very close. It's Aaron Rodgers. I believe last time they played in the spotlight, it was Larry Fitzgerald having a long touchdown, Aaron Rodgers having back-to-back Hail Mary touchdowns to win the game. One of the best games I've seen in my life, so hopefully we can see something comparable because this is Kyler Murray and not Carson Palmer. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yep. I'm excited to see half the league come back off the bye week. We saw the Steelers, (laughs) Cowboys, Chargers, Jags, and I know I'm missing somebody. Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. Uh, we should get to see all those de- or all those teams come back. We see the Steelers against the Browns. It's going to be a great divisional matchup. Seahawks versus the Jags. I mean, yikes. Um, Somebody's yes. got to lose. Unfortunately. Uh, they can't tie. I, 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 I mean, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. Ooh. We also get to see Cowboys and the Vikings. I, I think the Vikings always play up for the most part, and they always play down as well. So I think it might be closer than people Dallas want. Dallas does that too, traditionally. But I'd like to see a high-scoring game, and it's obviously on Sunday night, so I can't yeah. wait to see that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ho-hums in this week as well that I don't think are going to necessarily uh, – but those are usually the games you end up getting a lot of joy watching. I changed my mind about the, my, my most favorite game that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Tr- trying to get it out because I'm so excited. It's <laughs> Tennessee versus the Colts. That's a game. Two of the best running backs in the league going at it, and they're both terrible at stopping the run. So it's going to be <laughs> very fun to watch. Derrick Henry maybe stiff-arm Darius Leonard again. Hopefully Jonathan Taylor gets more than 10 carries, but they're both going to have over 100 yards, I think, in this game. Yeah, I mean, again, there's several on here. Even looking at a game like Philly and the Lions, the Lions haven't really been blown out of anything. They've been in every game, and and Philly doesn't want to win. They're in in the fourth quarter against the Rams, which is surprising. Philly doesn't look like they want to win much, so that one should be pretty entertaining. Yeah, I was saying uh, their stats, for the most part, are very similar as a team. Two brand-new head coaches as well. And I think the only difference was that the, uh, the Lions have a better passing game, and the the Eagles have a better rushing game somehow. But it's because the rushing game is basically played through dump-offs and receiving to DeAndre Swift. So it's more or less a very similar, and as weird as it sounds, the Lions are very similar to the Eagles right now mm-hmm. in terms of stats. And I think it's going to be a very close game. It might even be the Lions' first win. I'm pretty sure we're going to get stuck in our market watching, watching Washington play Denver, which I think is it'll probably be entertaining. Washington will probably win this game. But it'll probably be entertaining. Thank God for red zone. Yeah, and I think that the Broncos, I think I didn't take this into account too much last week, and that's probably why I got burned on the upset pick of the Broncos over the Browns. But the Broncos do not have any linebackers. They've traded for two or three linebackers the last couple of days. They've been backup linebackers, no one big. But their linebacker room is very, very skimpy. And we also saw Von Bob's Miller. Out. Von Miller left early last game, so it's 
it's it's edge rushers, it's interior linebackers, it's they're missing a lot on that defense. So their defense being one of the higher ranked defenses so far through the year because of what they did early. Also, like like the Panthers against bad teams. So I think their defense is a little <laughs> bit inflated, and you might see a lot from the Washington team this week. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't try to snag Jalen Smith off waivers when he got cut by Dallas. Yeah, the Packers scooped him up pretty quick. I am surprised Denver didn't try to make a move. They are starving right now for linebackers, especially with Von Miller getting hurt last week. Or are they going to draft a linebacker over a quarterback next year and say I'm it's sure they will. easier to find roll, a quarterback than a linebacker? Roll the dice. Remember, I, remember Joe Flacco went there and he was in his prime. That's what John, oh Elway, that's what John Elway said. <laughs> I will say that the Thursday night, Sunday night games have been really, really good. Granted, the Mondays have kind of been snoozy. Well, we get Peyton Manning again this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, make sure you go to Instagram and tell us what you think. Are you team... Manning, or are you the broadcast team from ESPN that's terrible? Or we, however we're going to word it. Do we get to see any Giants bias from Eli this week? Oh, yeah. he's uh, that, That'll be... He, I don't know, man. I think so. You think so? He made Peyton wear an old Miss jersey half, <laughs> half, half the game this week. Yeah, but they all pretty much agreed he's pretty good at throwing at people's heads last night and making a joke about the helmet catch. That was He seems to have a pretty good... Uh, sense of who he is i mean let's be fair i don't know it might be a quiet night for eli considering they're playing against patrick mahomes but <laughs> yeah i don't know all i know is that maybe the giants will play up <clears throat> yeah i mean the, i mean you watch the the watch the football team play a great game against the chiefs they in the first half it was looking like it was close yeah no there's no doubt i mean listen bad football is better than no football i will watch those games all day long i just i want football and monday nights despite a terrible broadcast team on espn hey one more rant the graphics on ESPN are they the worst digital? They look like nobody. They, oh, they're just, they're just, just graphics Chinese, no one asked for. Generic. I wish we had pro players. We could ask that question. Do you like seeing your body emulated in a digital mess that ESPN? You don't does? like the Justin Herbert doing the whoa or whatever he has done. I can't in and out burger or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, cringy. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. It sounds very simple, but it helps us to get the word out. Also, we've set up our shop online. Just go to guyswithouthelmets.com. Check us out there if you'd like to support the podcast. No better way than getting your own Guys Without Helmet gear, so we'd appreciate you doing that. Also, we post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by, like, and subscribe our channel. And finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets. 